everyone, welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Jeff Macalino podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing, listening, and all that stuff. Uh, like to see the ratings continue to go up week over week, and I appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, I'll get right into it. Uh, I've got a really fun one, a one I greatly enjoyed recording, and I hope you enjoy listening to. So I have Jeremy Ryder on the podcast today. He's a paranormal investigator. Um, he's also a pastor and an IT professional, uh, and also uh, claims to have some psychic abilities. Uh, we talk a lot uh, about the paranormal investigating, uh, and we talk about some of the methods. He shares a story that still gives me chills. Uh, basically about him and his team uh, encountering a spirit that uh, basically solved a hundred-year-old murder case. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to listen to it. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to spoil it by going too much more in detail than that. Uh, fascinating uh, stuff. And then we, we talk a lot more. You know, this is one of those things that's interesting to me. I, I'm sure I said this while talking to Jeremy is it's not that I'm a believer, but obviously I don't not believe it, uh, which I think is a stance more people should take about more things, frankly, just because you don't necessarily know if you believe it doesn't mean you should just dismiss it. Um, but we talk about some, some other things, you know, ideas of, well, maybe if it's not this you know maybe it's you know we talk about the the multiversal theory which i talk about a lot the mandela effect came up um i think i even mentioned aliens uh there's just a, a lot of different stuff we even talk about you know what is deemed science nowadays and what isn't which is i think another interesting discussion it's very interesting that the paranormal studies and stuff like that is just deemed kind of pseudoscience by, I think, many, uh, I don't want to say intellectuals, many in the education industry. It, it, it seems to me, at least, that it's kind of dismissed as a pseudoscience. And I, I uh, makes me curious as to why. Um, just seems like maybe we haven't been able to figure it out so it's easier to to call it a uh call it fake as opposed to try to actually figure out ways to understand it a little better you know i still think that and we we briefly at the end to talk about dreaming even i still think there's a science there that we haven't figured out too so anyways I'll let you listen to the podcast and uh, form your opinions and, uh, you know, let me know your thoughts on it. Uh, this is a really fun one. I'll see you on the end for a brief conclusion, but hope you enjoy the episode. It's Jeremy Ryder and me. All right, everyone. I am now very pleased to welcome Jeremy Ryder to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you, Jeremy? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Um, you're up in, uh, are you up in Syracuse? 
I'm 45 miles north of Syracuse, so well into snow country. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida, so don't really have to worry. I don't even know what snow is, really. It's a hypothetical. I am BU. I'm jealous now. Yeah, I you know, I'm kind of a jerk. I love to do that to people from up north in the winter. Because even in the summer, they could be like, it's 97 degrees and 100% humidity, but it's not like that much better most other pieces. It's still hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, true. You probably have, uh, you, there, there's no uh, no Florida man, though, where you live. So there is there is that. No, we have, uh, <laughs> we, we have a military base up in Watertown, which is another 45 miles uh, north of me and we get enough transplants there that make up for the, the lack of a true florida man <laughs> so. yeah well i think that's i was talking to someone else about that and it's like i i think the transplant part is a big part of what the, causes the the crazy behavior to begin with right so yes that's uh that that makes sense and yeah, you especially know. you know when the southern boys see snow for the first time and they lose their minds and you know why aren't the stores shut down and and everything like that you know we're still driving through two foot of snow and whatnot and they're losing their mind over it yeah i was it snowed in 1989 i think right after i turned three years old down here so i don't remember any of the reaction to like i can't imagine anyone went to work even the next day it was just yeah. probably just too mind-blowing because I, I wouldn't yeah. be driving my car anywhere for a month. It, it could snow, and I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you've never driven in it and you don't have the facilities, you know, to clean the streets and the parking lots and everything like that, I can understand why they shut down. Um, which a lot of New Yorkers, you know, when they're transplanted to the South, uh, when they finally hit retirement age or whatever, I think they uh, physically get dragged down that way. Um, they're all like, what, what's what's going on? You know, what's the big deal? And and uh, here we can see the opposite happen. You know, uh, for whatever reason, they get transferred to the north or someone thought it'd be a good idea to escape, <laughs> which yeah, still blows my mind, you know, and come here and they're like, what's a coat, you know, what skis, you know, stuff like that. That's, we have a lot of people down here who are native Floridians and I'm one of them who I'm like, I love the cold weather. I love the cold weather. I, I wish there were more of it. I don't want snow and I don't want to move though. Cause I know when it is like, even like 50 degrees for two straight weeks, everyone's just like, Oh, it hurts. This isn't fun. <laughs> I want to see the sun. <laughs> See, to us, that'd be t-shirt weather. Yeah. You yeah, know, sun, so, we hardly ever get the sun up here. So, you know, when it comes out, you're like, oh, my eyes, you know, what's that big burning <laughs> ball in the sky? So, <laughs> Well, I, I have noticed, I don't know if there's, I, I have a theory on it, but I still will wear flip-flops, even if it's 30 degrees or 40 degrees outside. I'll usually wear shorts and flip-flops and just, you know, extra jacket protection there. Um, my theory is that from a young age, we walk on the sand, which, you know, in the summer is like the surface of the sun, basically. Yeah. So our feet are just so 
you know, I don't know if there's lack of nerve endings there or <laughs> we've just <laughs> we've just calloused them over so much that we can't feel the cold. It doesn't really affect the feet at, at, at a certain age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my yeah, word. Here we <laughs> When I grew up uh, back in the 70s, you know, there, there wasn't so much concern about, oh, you might step on something or step in something, you know, so they let you run around barefoot anyways. Mm -hmm. And then when you got older, you know, they tell you, oh, you got to wear shoes. I hate wearing shoes. But now I kind of understand because my feet went the opposite. They lost all that calluses and regrew the nerve endings. So... I'm like, ah, I don't, I, I don't get it, you know, but it's neither no, I, here nor there. <laughs> I, I would be happy to never wear shoes again. I actually cannot even drive with shoes on. I will, I have to take my shoes off to drive. Yeah. Told is an odd idiosyncrasy, but I, I just feel constricted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Um, like I said, you know, if I was walking around the pavement or something like that. I had to put shoes on, but when I'm in the house or if I'm in the car, I hate wearing them. Even socks, I hate wearing them. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah but, uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> my, my wife has her own theory, you know, as far as the, the hot and coldness, you know. People that were born in the summertime or the warmer weather months can't stand the cold. Hmm. And those of us that were born in the winter months, which appears like six months out of the year, um, we can stand it and it doesn't bother us as much. So she was born in July. So if it's 90 degrees out, she's still cold. Oh God. If it's above 75, forget it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> there, there would be a, a civil war of the thermostat. If that were a situation I lived in. <laughs> Thank God I negotiated that treaty before we got married. So. <laughs> well, my thing is always because I don't, you know, and it, 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 for for where I live, it was cold for two, two, three weeks in a row where the house temperature was dipping into like the low fifties, and most people were wow. using their heat. But I'm like telling my kids, I'm like, hey, I don't use the heat. You, you know, if you're cold, just wear a jacket around. I don't care. There you go. I'm not wasting electricity on the heat. We enjoy the weather. Wear, wear extra clothes. You can't take them off. You can't take it all off when it's 95 outside. You can bundle up all you want when it's 30 outside. That's true. That's true. Uh, I actually have a friend that lives in Liverpool, New York, which is closer to Syracuse. He didn't turn on the heat until January, and it was like minus 17 outside. Oh my and then God. he finally turned on the heat. So I mean, he's a big guy like me. <laughs> that would definitely so, make me break my no heat policy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his wife was after him for months. Turn on the heat. Turn on the heat. And he's like, no, I'll just put on you know, more layers or here, have a blanket. You know, he bought her an electric blanket so he wouldn't have to turn it on. But he finally said, okay, yeah, it's cold enough. All right. it it's, it's, it's getting to me at, at this point. It's <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah, uh, the, that's, I, that's a, another thing to add to the list of things when I think like looking for a, a, a significant other in my mid thirties now, it's like, oh, just another thing to add to the list. If she's always cold, it's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm telling you, if she's born in those uh, summer months, you're going to run into that. I, I, so I just got to chase the women born between like November and February, March. There you go. <laughs> so I better temperament anyways. <laughs> um, well, Jeremy, the reason I, I had reached out to you, um, you have a fascinating uh, thing you've been doing for, it's been more than 30 years now, I believe uh a para- you are a paranormal investigator um yeah. and that by itself was enough for me to say what is that and then i said i need to talk to him about it on a podcast so i can learn it in real time because i'm sure i'll have many questions so i didn't want to i didn't want to assume one thing or another thing so i just figured what what exactly does a paranormal investigator do so we you often get called in to a residence or a business because they think that they're being haunted, uh, ghosty type things. I do not automatically fall into the category where, oh yeah, it's ghost, you're haunted, it's a demon, you know, whatever. You know, I look for a natural explanation on for the noises that they hear or why a certain object moved or anything like that. I look at the science side of things first, um, which fits right in, you know, with my career. You know, I'm an IT person, so I'm always with science and technology. So that's what got me, my curiosity peaked. Um, For example, you know, there will be people that say, oh, I have this buzzy head feeling, or I feel like I'm being watched you know, all the time. And that could just be the result of naturally high EMF or electric magnetic fields. Um, The old uh, style neon lights, you know, that took the ballasts and stuff like that are actually known to uh, leak out that type of radiation or that type of energy. So uh, the old brown radio clocks that we had back in the 80s and whatnot they were known to pump out some really high emf and those are they were very close to our heads and we didn't even realize it and it can cause damage over a long period of time and high enough exposure so you'll get that uh goosebump feeling across your arms you know the hair stands on end uh it'll cause you to hallucinate um there's actually a a lot of it and anyone can look it up on on google now it's a lot more prevalent out there than it ever used to be when i first started doing it and i started uh back in 90 91 uh looking into this Uh, but i've always been fascinated with the paranormal i mean who wouldn't be uh ghosts and all that you know seeing stuff move you know with nothing attached that was pretty cool so, I mean, that's what really got me along that path, you know, starting around seven, but I never pursued it until I was in my late teens. Yeah. And I, I like you prefacing it with a, kind of the, the thought that I always have is there, there's very often, I'm sure, maybe a very odd, but much easier, simpler explanation for what's going on. I would imagine someone who had a mouse in their house could easily think they have a ghost running around would oh yeah you know things slightly off and and 
I guess with a mouse, you see the you see their poop all over the place. You would think something that small would cause so much noise, though, but it does. And when you find evidence that mice always leave behind or squirrels or chipmunks, uh, you're like, man, that sounded like a you know a 200 pound guy that just ran across the floor. No, it was a squirrel. You know, and when you find the evidence of, you know, yeah, they got into the house and, you know, they've been chewing on the insulation and, and the wiring, which is causing the lights to flicker and, and stuff like that, you got your explanation. Now, we always preference it to the uh, client that, all right, we've only been here so many hours. You live here 24-7, 365. You know, so we're not saying that this is not what you're experiencing. We're just giving you some alternative facts, you know, to look at and rule out some of this so you can be comfortable in your own home. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, we just want people to be comfortable in their own home or their own business or where they're spending a majority of their day. You know, we, we try to take the fear factor out of that. Right. And would... um well, so yeah, two two questions. I'll start with that one since you mentioned it. Sure. The paranormal investigator, I'm guessing one of the main things is you just simply have to not be afraid of what you could or could not find, what you might find. Um, yeah. I, I always tell people I'm more afraid of the living than the dead. Uh, <laughs> the living can still hurt me. You know, uh, physically, very, very slim to rare chance that I've ever had a, a bad encounter with a spirit or whatever. So I, I have, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not going to let them get the better of me. You know, I'm not going to let them uh, rule and dictate my life. Sure. Now, how many... Uh... I guess a percentage wise, if you, if you want to put it that way, how many times they call you out, you investigate, do you discover a spirit or a ghost or something uh, not able to be explained as, as something from this world? If that, if that's the right verbiage I'm using. I would say maybe 10%. The rest of the times it has a very logical explanation to it. So, I mean, and even in that 10%, there have been a few cases, even to this day, that I still scratch my head and go, well, you know, maybe we just didn't have the right tools at that time. You know, because uh, the technology in this field is, is advancing as much as it is beyond everyday home user life. So, I mean, the computers that they have now are, are a lot better than, <laughs> than when I first started out. And, you know, they're new uses for old equipment that I never would have thought of at the time. You know, that's also one of the reasons why I always tell them that, you know, there is no expert in this field. You know, there is no credential degree for parapsychology or any of that in the United States. In the UK, they do have accredited courses to become a parapsychologist. So it's just very slim. What, uh, what kind of technology do you use? To, I mean, is it like a sort of energy frequency you can pick up as far as something 
to, to discover a, a ghost or a spirit or how does that work? Yeah, it's theorized um, between a certain EMF range that it may or may not be a spirit. You know, it comes down to judgment at that point, but also in um, what they call the infrasound range. You know, the human ear can only hear at a certain frequency. So anything below that, it's called infrasound. And they believe that in those ranges is where we get the uh, the spirit voices, you know, uh, other indicators, you know. But again, you got to be careful because in the infrasound range, that can react with the physiology of a person, and it can have side effects just like EMF does. Hmm. So again, it comes down to judgment, you know, uh, repeatability. And if there's other experiences along with what is coming out as so-called evidence. And a lot of that, you know, we try to do a peer review on, you know, we'll have other people take a look at it before we can publish it or even give it back to the client. Does, um, so we, you, the 10% of the time or so that you, feel that there's a ghost or spirit again whatever it might be um have you is there any method of communication at all that's available uh one way or the other uh, obviously i don't imagine there's a way that you've been able to communicate two ways you know back and forth um, right. is there any sort of communication you use to try to get them to leave <laughs> or or is uh, that a job for the Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, I wish. I would love one of those proton packs. Um, they don't have uh, a, a very reliable way to call back and forth. It's not like you can pick up your iPhone and, and dial them up, you know, that sort of thing. But there are a couple methods that we use. Uh, one of them, we actually use a digital recorder. You know, we'll ask a series of questions with uh, time in between and see if we get any responses. You know, those are fall into EVPs or electronic voice phenomena. Um, and this has been a bit of a mystery since the days of audio recording started. You know, uh, a lot of it, you know, was uh, done in the 60s and 70s and that was all done with uh, tape you know, cassettes, stuff like that. And we have experimented with that and actually cut the mic leads on like a mini cassette recorder and gotten voices hmm. in response to our questions. Obviously the questions aren't on the tape, but just the responses. So we usually, with that experiment, you know, we'll run a digital recorder plus the analog recorder at the same time and get these results. That leaves you scratching your head. You're just like, there's no input. So they have to be using an energy to imprint and power up that magnet in there to imprint it onto the audio tape. And those voices or those responses, are they uh, something you can actually understand or is it just not? Yeah, we have different classifications as far as you know the EVPs. A class A, it'd be just like me and you talking right now. Wow. It's crisp. It's clear. There's no static or hiss to it. You know, there's no popping. Uh, so it's very distinct on what's going on. The class B and C, 
that gets into more audio artifacts. Uh, so you'll have the hiss of a tape or you'll have a pop of it, you know, things like this. And this is both for analog tape and digital recording that you'll get these. Um, anything lower than that, we usually throw out. You know, some people have known to cap it and pass it on to their clients. I don't exactly agree with it, but I'm not the authority and say you can't do that. So, you know, that that's up to each individual and a, again, a judgment call. Um, there's also what they call a real time EVP, and that is where a digital recorder will record for burst sessions and will play back. So there's about a five to 10 second delay between it recording and then it playing back mm. and a recording and playing back. There is a number of devices now for uh, ITC communication, which is instrument communication. Um, they have a, what they call the portal, you know, that will sweep radio frequencies uh, and it's rapid scanning. So there's not even like a two second delay between stations. It just continually sweeps forwards or backwards. Um, and sometimes it'll do two or three stations at the same time as it's scanning. And people have had good results with that, but it's very experimental still. Um, a lot of your ghost hunter shows, you know, will have some sort of device like that. And it, they're not cheap. <laughs> right. So, um, one thing I always do too is uh, we don't charge for our services. You know, we do it completely on our own time, on our own dollar. So, you know, if the client's nice, they'll give us a cookies or something, but, you know, that's not guaranteed. So we drive to these locations all over New York State and just help out where we can. It's kind of a good Samaritan for the paranormal. Yeah. The, uh, so it sounds like in some cases you almost, I mean, they can understand your questions. You, you know, through some technology can get their answers to it. Um, have you ever had, I mean, in those situations, have you had an explanation as to why are you here? Why are you, you know, obviously it's not normal that, that you'd right. be here. <laughs> do, do the, do they have any, um, uh, sense that they're not supposed to be here or is it you know I know the old cliche Sometimes. is they have they have on something uh, that's keeping them here because you know unfinished, unfinished business, business yeah 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 uh, sometimes they do understand you know that they have passed on uh, other times they don't and you know the the ones that do know those are to me, more fascinating than the ones that don't know. You know, um, the ones that do know and, you know, they act like a very bad house guest. Those are, those are the head scratchers. You know, uh, they won't give you a straight answer. Um, we have different classifications of what we call haunting also. You know, there's intelligent, there's residual, and then there's everything else. So the intelligent is like you and I, you know, we're, we know we're in these rooms. Uh, we know that we're talking to each other and holding a conversation and we are aware of our actions. 
and the consequence of those actions. Uh, residual is kind of like uh, you throw in a v, uh, VHS tape and you play the same scenes over and over and over again. It just as happens on a continuous loop. Uh, the timing of the loop might be different, you know, from time to time, um, depending on weather, you know, other conditions like that. And, you know, they're just going through their routine. You know, they think it's uh, still their dwelling and they're going about their daily routine. You know, they get up, go to the kitchen, grab a cup of coffee, you know, you know, go and do the crossword puzzle or whatever, you know, uh, things like that. Um Everything else can mix the first two, or it can just be it's spontaneous. Um, you know, it happens to be a thunderstorm out, and all of a sudden, you know, you see a little girl run through the room. Well, at some point, that energy was repeating the action that the living person did, and it just imprinted into the environment there. And the atmospheric conditions happen to be just right that it replayed that loop. And it might only happen once. It might not happen again for 50, 60 years, you know, until the conditions are right again to trigger that event. Hmm. And it's usually uh, an event that was traumatic. You know, someone was murdered. You know, someone accidentally died. Uh, someone was stressed out beyond belief. And that's what triggered that event so with the with the intelligent situation uh it, is it does it seem like it's like their choice that they're staying here or or is it they're they're stuck here so they're just gonna be dicks to whoever has their old house right right i've actually seen it happen both ways you know, one was it's their choice to be there because that was their residence at one time. And I've seen to where for some reason that spirit got trapped there hmm. and it can't be set free until someone helps move them on, you know, and that's, that's where a lot of people's faith come in conflict with what's going on there. You know, the faith comes in conflict with the science. You know, um, just because one person happens to be Lutheran and the spirit was uh, Jewish or whatever, you know, and they believe they can't go until a rabbi lets them go, you know, to where the Lutheran might have spiritualist ties. So they bring in a medium and it can actually make things worse um, because now you're conflicting with that spirit's faith and it just charges it more it pisses it off you know in uh, layman's terms so it, you never really know about the only ones that you can really count on and have a guideline are native american spirits you know they're always going to be tied to the land you know they're going to have their beliefs tied with nature so you pretty much have a guideline on what to do in a case like that but as far as us uh, European conqueror types, you know, not so much. So, because we have all sorts of faith here, you know, that's one of the things America's known for is being a melt melting pot of cultures. Right. So. Have you ever had a situation where you felt 
that there was actual danger posed by these. I mean, because I'm I'm thinking they could mentally drive someone insane, but are they oh, yes. capable of physically doing anything that can, you know, can they can they make things fall on people and stuff like that? They can. Um, it doesn't happen very often. It's actually a rarity. And I think most of these paranormal shows that are out there uh, found all the cases that there are for that, uh, whether it makes good TV or whatever. But um, it can happen. Yeah. Um, poltergeists are, uh, it's a German word for noisy spirit. It, they're just dicks. You know, plain and simple. It'd be like if a teenager got hopped up on Jolt Cola and Pixie Sticks and just decided to have a rager. And um, they throw things, they can scratch people, um, they can push things, they can trip you. You know, uh, a lot of times with a poltergeist case, though, it is tied to a living person at the location being a, an agent. So that's where it kind of gets into the woo-woo territory, um, where it develops with uh, psychokinesis or PK energy. And that is natural energy that everyone puts off. Some can do it better than others. You know, I, no one knows why. They don't know if it's genetics or just happen to be in the right place at the right time type of thing. Have you ever had a, a personal encounter where you felt they were a poltergeist was coming after you or just you've been lucky to avoid that? Unfortunately not. Um, I had a case, uh, it didn't happen to involve a poltergeist. It was just a really jackass of a spirit. Um, we were actually in downtown Syracuse inve uh, investigating a location. Uh, this guy that was a tattoo artist called us in because every time he had anyone out there to do any construction or anything, they would get chased off. Uh, contractors would get scared and, and bolt. Uh, especially down the basement area. So, you know, we took his uh, encounters in, you know, we did the research on it. It was a very old location built back in the 1800s. Probably, uh, it was actually 1830s was when this building went up and it used to be a boarding house on the Erie Canal is what it got it started off as. Over time, it became shops. It was never just a residence for anybody. They had apartments there, but you know they were all on the, the second floor of the, the building. And there was a bar next door at one time that got shut down because of too many violations and, and such like that, you know, underage drinking and everything. But uh, we went into it, and while we were there, it was a warm summer night. It was probably like 75 outside and it got down to 30 inside. It just got cold. So something was pulling whatever energy it could uh, to manifest. And the basement's connected between this old bar and this tattoo parlor. Um, so we went over onto the bar side and it sounded like the place was open and doing business. And it had been vacant for 15 years. But you could hear glasses clinking. You could hear, you know, people shuffling and laughing and just having a good time about things. 
So we came up the stairs from the basement into what used to be the bar. And all of a sudden you heard like a woman sobbing. And then you heard a toilet flush. Well, there hasn't been water over there in over 15 years. There's not even pipes for plumbing anymore. So, you know, we just kind of look at each other and go, wow, this is wild. And I'm like, it started to die down the activity. So I had the other two investigators that were with me go back down to the basement to listen still and record sound and, and video if possible. And it picked right back up. You could hear the glasses. Uh, you could hear conversation. It was very muffled. So it'd be like you were listening through a wall to conversation. And this was on the corner of a building. So the only thing outside was streets and traffic. You could hear that going on, but you still heard these conversations and such going on. So I'm like, all right, well, this is starting to feel funny. You know, it, it was like I was, uh, it'd be like going into a bar and talking to somebody's girl, you know, to where, you know, you got that feeling that this guy is pissed at you now. So I went to go back downstairs. I got back downstairs in the basement and I felt like a punch just hit me square in the back. And I went down to one knee and I'm like, all right, everyone out. You know, uh, they, they were still learning how to be investigators and I was the senior teaching everybody basically. Um, so we all got back you know, to the other location and I'm like, that, that was just crazy. Um, you know, we kept the evidence and gave it to the client afterwards. And um, I had to preface and say, there are a couple spots in here where you're going to hear swearing. And that's my other investigator because he was so surprised by what was going on. So uh, there might have been, you know, a call to a deity and, <laughs> and whatnot in there. And I'm like, we have no idea. Uh, we want, wound up going back there two or three times uh, to gather more evidence, dig more into the history, you know, through the public libraries. And, you know, we went through uh, the town historian and things like this. Uh, we came to find out that back in the early 1900s, a woman that was staying at the boarding house with her boyfriend at the time just disappeared. And no one knows where she went. Or anything like that there was rumors of course you know that the boyfriend had something to do with it uh, but the, our last night there we actually had a full manifestation of a female standing in this one spot and as soon as we all saw her she just kind of whisked away just disappeared so we started digging in the basement which was all dirt floor and uh, we came across remains. Oh my God. So at that point we had to call in the Syracuse Police Department. They came with their cadaver unit and the dogs and everything like that. And of course we were all questioned, you know, uh, they could tell it was old enough that we didn't kill anybody and bury them in a basement. Yeah, so we got that at least. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, at first we're all like, oh crap, you know, what do we do? And, um, but it wound up solving a hundred year old murder mystery. It wound up being the remains of that woman. 
And the only reason they knew that is because of a, a newspaper that she had clutched in her hand. So, you know, that, that was one of the best resolutions to a case I ever had. Well, and um, it, I mean, it, it seems like she was, that's why she was staying there is just someone needs to find me just to. Yes. Wow. Yeah, Cause she was basically in an unmarked grave and no one knew, you know, and, and back then, you know, police techniques weren't very refined like they are nowadays, you know, with forensics and everything like that. You know, they just, well, did you do it? No. All right. We'll go to the next guy type of thing. You know, not that simple, but similar. Right. So, you know, they were easily bribed and everything else. But, uh, wow. That's, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. And I, I guess as scary that, again, as scary as that was, uh, the payoff at the same time has to be immensely satisfying yeah. that it's like, hey, we, we let her go. Uh, do you, I, I'm always, uh, uh, I'm not a disbeliever in the paranormal, as you can probably tell, or I wouldn't be asking so many questions, but right. my question is always, I, I, I always tie different things into it. I always think of things like, you know, could some of this even be aliens that we just, you know, we, we were on a different plane, um, you know, a situation like the one you just told, obviously that seems like it was a spirit of a person who lived on this earth, who for some reason is still on our, well, again, her reason was probably more explained, but um, in general, the spirits, it, it, you know, is it a, is it a don't move on to the afterlife? Is it a maybe just once your business is resolved or whatever you're stuck here for, you just disappear into nothing. Um, I mean, obviously I don't think science can maybe give us all of the answers. I even think sometimes like maybe it's some sort of multiversal thing where, you know, you're, yeah. you're, some people are just able to cross over, not fully, but enough to make an impact. Um, do you have any, Again, maybe not a science explanation, but if, if you do have science, that's great too. But it, it just in your own head, do you have kind of your own working theories about why it why it exists? You know, at one time, I thought I had it nailed down. Um, and I got out of investigating for about 10 years, active investigating. Um, but then you know, something came along and tipped the apple cart. And I'm like, well, that doesn't fit what I thought. So I guess we have to do more research into it. I've seen some cases that would be the round peg in the round hole and other cases, you know, it's the round peg trying to go into the triangle. Right. Um, so it don't fit. So we got to adjust and move on with it. Um, as far as a multiversal theory, you know, I believe that is definitely possible. You know, it, it's kind of, we vibrate at this frequency, that other world vibrates at this frequency and is just different enough 
you know, that the two occasionally bump into each other, cross over, and move back to what they should be. Um, it, it could be like, you know, all right, I'm living here at this time in this room, but then the other frequency of me on that other plane can come over and I'll see certain things change, but not enough to shock the crap out of me. You know, it could be like a, I have a pen here, you know, that's purple, and then all of a sudden it'll change to just a black pen. And I'll, I'll go, hmm, that's weird. But, you know, and being as human as we are, we just kind of brush it off. Like, well, it must have been black all along, and I just didn't realize it. Or, you know, my, my vision was affected that day or something. Um, that's, and, you know, that kind of goes into the Mandela effect. Exactly you know? what I was just going to say. I was going to ask if you yeah. were familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there, there's some people that will say, well, I could have swore these were the lyrics to that song, but now I'm hearing it different. So, and there's so many people that experience that. You can't just dismiss it out of hand. Uh, you know, I would love to see more research done into just that, you know, but to get mainstream science to jump on anything, especially in today's day and age, I don't think they're going to, you know, and it unfortunately relies on the amateur scientists out there and the amateur researchers to do anything. You know, it's like even some archaeological digs that have been mainstream science all the way, it winds up being an amateur that discovers it first before the professionals come in. And they get no credit, you know, with dinosaur bones, you know, cities, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, were discovered by a little shepherd boy, you know, way before mainstream science ever came in and started preservation of the objects. So there is no solid this is it there is no other explanation whatsoever um, there's always another possible explanation or another rabbit hole to chase down um, you look at just ancient cultures in general you know they accomplished things that we never could even with today's tools right now a lot of you know Ancient astronaut theorists will say, well, that was aliens. That's why it happened. Maybe. I can't say yes or no, but I think the human race, you know, as a species can be smart enough to figure something out, to do it, but then forget it. Um, indoor plumbing is a perfect example of that. You know, the Romans had it way before the 20th century. And it was forgotten about until halfway through the 19th century. And it became popular again, you know, for sanitation, health, everything like that. So technically they rediscovered something that was already around, but we did not figure that out until much later. And they're like, oh, they, they were doing that, but we did it better. So we're going to stake claim on it. You know, ancient Egyptians did uh, brain surgery. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were mummifying cats and everything, but they were doing brain surgery. 
you know, and that's more of a 20th century thing when most people think about it. Yes, the, the average person on the street, well, who, who came up with brain surgery first? Well, it had to be the United States or a superpower. No, it wasn't. You know, the, the Baghdad battery, you know, the, the, the light bulbs that the Egyptians invented. You know, Edison must be rolling over in his grave. You know, I didn't get to it first type of thing. But I think there's a lot we can learn just by looking at those cultures in context. And unfortunately, a lot of things are taken out of context. You know, that's why I say with the paranormal, it's, it seems like spookiness and magic and everything to us now. But at one time, it was probably very explainable as an everyday occurrence. I, I, that's it's an interesting conversation too because it, it's almost you could make the argument that the mainstream scientists almost want to they have their focus and they want to shun people even scientists who are wanting to investigate other unexplained phenomenon you know if it's not the the stamp of approval cookie cutter our science that we want researched right no we don't want to hear it it's pseudoscience or, or whatever yeah um, yeah and they love to to rule that explanation out for the longest time scientists and archaeologists and uh you know other scientists in that area said there was no major culture here in the united states until they started discovering cities that the native americans had built and were very populated by over forty thousand people you know they dismissed that for centuries and now there's too much evidence in front of them for them to dismiss it out of hand anymore you know they actually believe that the aztecs came from what is now north america in the united states and moved to Central America. And even their own culture has a story of how they did that. But we always said, no, it's not possible. You were always in Central America. You came from the Mayans or you know, something like that. And it was there in front of them if they really wanted to look into it. Do you think, uh, I'm spitballing here. Um, That's okay. But uh, do you think some of the problems we have, I, I've, I feel like this a lot of times when I'm listening to people explain science or different things, is the education that we have, at least, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it goes back further than my education. It's very segmented where here's science, here's history, here's math. When, you know, realistically, all of those things should be combined for a full-fledged education um you can't talk about i mean you know uh, science was was kind of a you know this is an atom here's a proton and a neutron and you know all this stuff um the and the history they taught with science at least in, in my education was like trivia who discovered this what year did louis pasteur do this there's not a, a, a combination of a historical ref, uh, a historical tie-in with, you know, a, a, again, the, the pyramids. That to me, that's, that's science, math, and history. You need to kind of figure out that whole situation. And they try to pigeonhole it as one or the other. 
you know, and not really mesh. Yep. Um, and I could see that would be why the highly educated and, and uh, you know, accredited scientists, well, they've only been in this science lane. They don't really care about history. You know, they, they might not understand math. I, I, you know, I, I could make some arguments, but I, I don't want to get uh, canceled that, that they clearly don't care about <laughs> math over the past couple of years. Um, but, right. <laughs> but do you think that could be part of the problem is they've almost stripped science as its own topic and then just they, they ignore this whole, you know, here's historical records. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think so. And, you know, it all comes back to what I was saying with context. Um, when you strip something down to its basic element, you're taking it out of context. Um, you know, our culture today with texting and emails, and we all tend to read a little bit more into it than what it is. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why people pop off so much nowadays is because there's no contextual reference to it, anything. You know, it's just, it, and it's almost like you're starting to read something mid-sentence instead of the beginning. Mm-hmm or you're reading the ending without the beginning in the middle, you know, um, like you said, you know, especially with these ancient cultures, they were a culture. So there's so much to them, you know, it's not just the structures they built or what language they might've spoken, but also how they lived daily life, what they ate, you know, how they socialized, you know, there, there's so much to it. And when you boil it down to, well, this is how they drew the letter A or, you know, the equivalent, you lose all that. You, you lose the people that you're trying to learn about and learn from. So, um, you know, there, there's an old quote, and I don't even know who, who said it, you know, those who failed to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We've actually seen this, you know, within our own lifetimes, you know, with wars and things like this and politics, especially, which I try to stay away from as yeah. much as possible. <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, it's become so intertwined into uh, America's culture as it is that it has created a great divide amongst our own people. You know, and then, you know, you have the others that they like to segregate themselves by saying, you know, well, you know, I, I'm, I've got a Latin heritage, so you white people, you know, whatever, you know, if that makes you happy, fine, just leave me out of it. But, you know, I like to call myself a mutt. I come from a bunch of different cultures. You know, and they all happen to get along long enough for nine months to progress. So uh, I, I don't care about what the color of your skin is or what language your ancestors spoke necessarily. How you treat your neighbor or how you treat your brother is more important to me than anything else. That's why I said, you know, I'm more scared of the living than the dead. Yeah. You know, the dead, dead doesn't play the race card or, you know, if you're a Democrat or Republican or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. They they, just, they, they've got bigger concerns. <laughs> exactly. 
hey, I'd like to move on to my afterlife or, you know, how can I trip this punk down the stairs and get my house back? So. <laughs> I, mean, I, I almost asked this earlier, but I didn't want to come off like I was making a joke because it almost is, but it almost isn't. The ghost trips the dude, makes him fall down the stairs. Does he now have another ghost to compete with? Because that guy now has unfinished business too. <laughs> it could be, you know, the, the rent's going to be raising uh, because there's more occupation going on here. I, I don't know if they have rent in the afterlife or not, but I would think they would. You know, <laughs> someone's going to get rich off something somewhere, especially here in America. So, yeah, there, you know, that's why a- I almost hope they never find life on another planet because, you know, we'll be sending them billions of dollars and screwing the people that are still here. Yeah. So. <laughs> We'll we'll be sending them billions of dollars and teaching them uh, gender and race studies, uh, you know, for yeah. their culture. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you also, I I want to quickly uh, mention, um, you are a pastor. Yes. And you had noted you. Uh, so there's two different things, obviously. You'd also notice that you do have some psychic abilities. Um. How does? Yeah. I, so, so one thing I'm always, here's one thing I'm skeptical of. And, uh, I had a, a lady on the podcast who said she was a, she was a psychic. And then she called me by the wrong name for two hours. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you're not that good. <laughs> Obviously that's a little mistake. I've, I, I kind of poking fun at it, but, um, how, how do you, uh, I guess, how did you maybe discover that you had psychic powers and then how do they actually play out in, in real, in the real world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never get the lottery numbers right. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would, I got the, the sex of my child wrong. Cause I was thinking, Oh, it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. And it was a girl. So <laughs> um i don't you know go around saying hey i'm psychic i I know better than you or anything like that um to me it comes as flashes almost like a, a movie that was on fast forward sometimes and i get more impressions about an environment and i've used it a lot in my investigation but I always back it up with what I get scientific data from. So I don't go in and say, oh, you got a demon here. You, you really pissed him off and he's going to need uh, uh, five bottles of vodka and he, he wants a, a good fine cigar, you know, <laughs> before he'll leave you alone or something like that. And nothing against those that do that, but if I can't back it up with research and science, I dismiss it. You know, to me, it was more of a personal experience at that point. Um, I kind of discovered that I had the abilities uh, back when I first got interested in it in the paranormal period. Um, I was about five years old. Uh, My great grandfather had just passed. It had been about a week after his funeral, and he came into my room and sat on my bed. And I actually saw the covers and everything depress. 
just like someone would was sitting there, but you could see through type of thing. And then he materialized and told me, uh, he always called me Beto, which is French Canadian for a little man. And he goes, Beto, I'm going to be good. You don't have to worry about me. Move on. And then he was gone. Hmm. And I, I was still like, did I dream this? Or did I actually see this? So it was probably a couple weeks after that. I said something to my mother. And she's like, I believe he did that. And then I've had occurrences, you know, after the fact. Um, it's like one family friend. He was he was bald. I mean, Chrome Dome, Mister Clean, type of thing. But when I saw him, I saw him with dark curly hair. So I went to his wife, and I'm like, "Did Neil have dark curly hair when he was younger or anything?" She's like, "Yeah, he did." And she showed me a picture. And it was dead on, you know, the person that I saw. So I've had some things to back it up, but I have no control of when it happens and when it doesn't happen. So I don't consider myself a card-carrying psychic type of thing. And the more research I've done into it, you know, there's so many of these side abilities with it. You, you you can't pigeonhole people, you know, with it. Uh, there's physical mediumship, you know, there's mental mediumship, you know, there's all these things, you know, and then you have the, the people who say they got telekinesis and yeah, the laundry list just continues on. Um, and I, mine go all over the place. You know, sometimes I can hear them, you know, without a device Sometimes I can see them, I, I can smell, you know, or I can just get how they feel emotionally. But it it's never on command, which I wish I could do it on command. Because then I would get a little red cape and wear my underwear on the outside of my pants and just be a superhero. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. One thing I, I think I brought this up on my podcast previously because i'm fascinated with you it's one thing you said was was this a dream or was this real and i've always thought i i, I think we dismiss dreams too easily um yeah. you know like they're, they're very that very well could be a very easy method for for spirits to visit people or you know without um I mean, it doesn't mess with your mind if they visit you in your sleep, right? It's just, uh, yeah. okay, well, the, I, I got some comfort out of this. It, it, so I, I've, I've often thought there, there's, and again, this is something that I don't think science ever has an interest in looking into, but I'm like, people who do have vivid dreams, I feel like they're possibly something there, but, you know, I, I don't want to say it's necessarily psychic, but it, it's not necessarily something you want to just altogether dismiss because maybe there's a reason they're having dreams. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe in, in the, when they fall asleep, they get to a certain state that um, they're able to kind of, I don't want to say travel to a different multiversal situation, but, you, you know, 
maybe we, you know, those dreams are actually us visiting other situations. I don't know. Right. That, I, I know it's weird, but that's always kind of been my, I'm a vivid dreamer. No. So I'm always like, I, I hope some of this to an extent could be something. <laughs> I, I got to agree with you. Um, think about it. You know, that's where we're at our most relaxed state at that point. You know, we're not putting up our own mental roadblocks, you know, for experiences or anything. Um, that's actually one of the, the abilities that I have is, is vivid dreaming. You know, I can actually take control of the dream if I need to. Um, when I started exploring that, I've noticed that if it's a regular dream, you have no sound in that dream, in the background. There's no background sound. But when it's a vivid dream or a vision, you have sound. You can at least hear like the wind blowing. You know, you can hear a bird or something in the background um, because it's taking place in a real time type of situation with air quotes. So I believe it is ability that everyone does have but again, you know, some people are better at it or recognizing it better. You know, they see the signs there they're able to eventually learn to be able to control their dreams. You know, it's not always going to be the monsters chasing me in an alley. You know, uh, it could be that I turn around and I shoot them full in the face with a shotgun this time, you know, type of thing. Um, vivid dreaming is often been talked about in the paranormal community as a way for a spiritual visit you know a visitation either with a loved one or a very close friend uh even pets that have passed um you'll be able to experience those and those are usually the memories that stick with you and the experiences that stick with you when you wake up you know a lot of people will say i i never dream i can never remember anything but then they have an experience like that and they remember it. So if all your other dreams you don't remember, but you remember that experience, there's some credence to it. And a lot of the times that I've talked with people who have experienced this, it is just for that to bring comfort or to bring a message to that person. And it's always someone, a loved one that has been passed on, you know, uh, you might not have seen your grandfather since you were like three or something, but when he comes to you in this dream and says, you know, maybe you shouldn't get on that plane today and take that trip. Maybe you should just stay home. There's a reason. And, you know, I've always been taught, you know, there's a reason for everything that happens. And more times than not, it saved my, my keister from the fire. So... Oh, that's fascinating. And uh, I mean, it, it, it's uh, uh, something I could talk to you probably for days on end about, but I won't put you through that. Um, not that you're held captive. <laughs> you can always just click yeah, the, the button. Um, yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, but I do want to make sure I ask you, um, this has been a, a fascinating conversation and uh uh, if you're up to it, I'd probably, uh, I'd love to have you back on in the future. Um, oh, definitely. The, um, where can people go to find you? 
I have a Facebook page like everybody in the world, I think. Um, <laughs> probably the, the easiest way to uh, find me would be through our uh, my group's uh, Facebook page and website. The website is thegsny.com. So it mostly, uh, it touches on our paranormal investigation, but it's uh, been a place where I've been uh, posting up my own episodes from our podcast that we did uh, to help explain the paranormal in uh, more educational terms than just, hey, I saw this, check it out type of thing. Yeah. Uh, we did do one episode where we talked about different cases we were on, but to me, I don't like to brag. So to me, it felt like I was bragging that I had these experiences. Uh, so I mostly let the others ramble on with theirs. So uh, that, that's probably the easiest way to track me down. Um, for the most part, you know, I stick to myself. Um, and they can reach out to us through the website if they want an investigation or if they just want to shoot us a message, they can, we'll get it by email and we'll contact them back. Awesome. That's, uh, uh, it's been a, a fascinating conversation and, uh, I'll link everything as always in the show notes, uh, for the listeners, uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me. This has been awesome. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Jeff. And it's been a lot of fun. Hi, listeners of this fine podcast. My name is Joe Nolfo, and I have a show on YouTube that you should really check out. The Joe Nolfo Show... Link to the channel is in the show notes. ...is a comedy sketch show that takes absurd comedy to a whole new level. It is written and directed by the fine mind of Joe Nolfo, and it stars notable great comedic actors such as myself and the not-quite-yet-a-Motley-Crew players which includes the host of this very podcast you're listening to, Jeff Macalino. Subscribe to the YouTube channel now so you don't miss out on season three of this comedy journey. Thanks for hitting that subscribe button. I'm Joe Nofo, and believe you me, I'm gone. All right, well, that was it. That was the episode. Thank you again to Jeremy Ryder. Uh, again, that was a really interesting conversation for me. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, Jeremy's one of those really cool guys who I, uh, I kept talking to for quite a while after I turned off the recorder. Uh, I always kind of feel bad for, <laughs> for those people, but, uh, now he's a, he's a good dude and, uh, had a very, uh, fun time chatting with him uh, check him out. He's got his podcast and the, the uh, link to his website is in the show notes. Uh, speaking of people to check out, you know, I got to shout out uh, the other podcasts that have had me on. Uh, I made a, a second appearance on the Friends of Zeus podcast. You can find those uh, on YouTube or on Spotify. My first one was about comedy. My, my latest one was about aliens, which just so happens to also be the topic for my next podcast that will be out on Monday, um, talking with a couple of people, uh, my first three-way on the podcast, uh, on the podcast, to be clear. Oh, I'll, I'll leave that there. Uh, 
but uh, one who is making a movie about uh, aliens and one who has a pretty famous picture uh, that he caught on his hunting camera of uh, what is believed to be an alien. Uh, so check that out next week. But uh, also, again, Friends of Zeus, check them out. You can find them on Spotify and YouTube. Uh, my my second appearance, the Aliens one, uh, I may have checked out a few minutes early. I think I was having a little bit of internet problems, and also I was incredibly intoxicated. So uh, thank you to uh, Zeus and his friends for tolerating me uh, on that one, but it was a fun time. And check out Luis Garcia, uh, his Ponderol podcast. You can also get that on Spotify. Uh, I was on that one recently. You can check that podcast out. It's the Ponder All podcast, hosted by uh, my buddy, Luis Garcia. Uh, also, I, I keep doing stuff with FL Teams, not only my Lightning and Rays podcast, which is pretty much a weekly podcast, We've been doing a lot of live streams. Uh, last week we did baseball. Uh, we've done a couple football ones. Uh, check it out if you are at all interested in sports. We have a very cool plan for uh, a mock draft uh, coming up before the NFL draft. I mean, that's still a month and a half away. Long ways away. Uh you know, as always, give me a follow, hit me up, especially if you have any feedback on any of the episodes, give me a rating on Apple, Spotify, IMDB. Uh, I appreciate those. Uh, and I appreciate you following me on the socials at St. J Mac on Twitter and Instagram. It's the Jeff Macalino podcast on Facebook. And, uh, I think that's mainly it, but Go to my website, jeffmacalino.com. There's a section to uh, reach out to me. Sometimes they get caught in my spam mail, but I'll get to them eventually. I promise I check it more often now that I realize that that's where some of them go. Uh, so uh, episodes keep on. I'm keeping on recording them. I've uh, got a backlog of them. Uh, you know, I've released a couple a week a couple times already in the last month. So uh, if I keep recording them as quickly as I am, I'll keep releasing them. Uh, I do have a vacation slash uh, maybe a, a outing coming up at the end of the month. I'll probably talk about that more after the fact than before, although I probably won't be able to give many details about it. Uh, so we'll leave that kind of shrouded in mystery for now. And that's about it. Uh, I thank, again, Jeremy Ryder for this podcast. This was a fascinating one. Again, the, the story he told, probably what, the 30-minute mark, is one of the more fascinating ones I've heard about really discovering the spirit that led to the discovery of the remains of a woman who had been missing in Syracuse for around 100 years, give or take. Uh, just a fascinating discussion in, in my eyes. And, uh, you know, I obviously try to go into these with as almost sometimes as little information as possible on the topic so that I can fully form my opinions. And uh, I obviously had some rambling thoughts and questions that Jeremy was able to really uh, grasp um, and uh, make sense out of my my rambling. So I was appreciative of uh, him making me sound like I kind of, sort of, am on the level. 
to an extent, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe you guys don't think so. <laughs> but either way, I hope you enjoyed it. It was a fun time for me. Uh, stay safe out there. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, which is, you know, basically needles and dudes. But I guess you can do dudes if you want to. That's not my place. Um, and otherwise, I will see you back here next week for another great episode where we talk about aliens. Uh, and some of these other topics that I talked about with Jeremy kind of uh, phase into that conversation as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and again, if you ever have any feedback for me, any ideas, questions, uh, you know, even questions for guests that I've had on the podcast, you know, I keep a good relationship with most of these guys. So I can always ask them back or even ask them a one-off question maybe uh, for something like that if you are so interested. So Thanks so much for listening. Love you all for that. And I will see you back here next week. Peace.